Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. So this is the second episode for this week, double episode week as usual. And I'm really really open to any new uh requests that you have and you need to go deeper into. So just take it as like you know, a form of revision as well also as a way for you to see how you can use some of these examples right as well as you know like test your economic understanding so today's article is from channel news asia and we are looking at more government measures needed to cushion a worsening singapore jobs market so reason why i'm talking about the labor market today is because in recent years this has become a very popular topic of discussion because people usually focus on like the demand for goods and services. So like, you know, drinking the bubble tea, buying the clothes from Uniqlo. Those are all, you know, sort of real physical things that I can see and I can buy, whether it's in-store or online. But the labour market is also subject to the same forces of demand and supply. So in Singapore, they say that the Singapore labour market is expected to weaken because the bulk of the global economy is grappling with recessionary conditions. So you can think about it as, of course, the demand for workers is falling, and we don't really know also about the supply of workers, because the intersection of the demand and supply for workers actually determines the equilibrium wage rate. And of course, we have learned about things like minimum wage, right, and all these kinds of like price floor, price ceiling, and they apply to different types of markets. So... Interestingly, in 2020, it is not trade wars or geopolitical events, right? But actually, this pandemic has triggered a very long and overdue global recession. So in Singapore, as we have probably heard many times, the trade in goods and services accounts for three times of its GDP. And the impact of the pandemic was almost immediate. That doesn't sound very good, right? We don't want to be the first to be hit. But that is actually some of the perils that come with being such an open economy. Right, because once all of your trading partners fall and actually experience a fall in disposable income, right, you are also going to experience a knock-on effect or a contagion effect as you learn in globalization. Right? Think about it. Everybody is going through a recession and you will also be affected. People will not be able to buy your exports as much. So because of that, the economy has contracted by 3.3% in an annualized rate. And of course, everything doesn't seem to be very good in terms of all of the indicators that we have actually kind of collected. Even in the circuit breaker, right, there's an unprecedented plunge in economic activity. So examples of that is like international visitors arrival, right, fell from like 1.6 million a month to 805 visitors. Can you imagine that? 1.6 million a month to 815. That is like... That is like you're just wiping off basically millions and millions of billions of dollars of revenue. Changi Airport, which handled an average of 1,023 flights daily, handled only 144 flights a day, the lowest in the airport's history. Singapore's ports handled like really, really low amounts of units of containers. So Singapore is like an aviation hub. Singapore is a logistical hub. And because of the decline in the demand, the weakening of external demand, right, Singapore has been the first to experience the pain of the recession. So because of all of this slowing economic activity, it came as no surprise that the MOM has also reported that labour market weak conditions have weakened. So what exactly does this mean? So let's focus on the three key industries, manufacturing, 
construction and services, right? And construction and services, okay? All of them saw reduced employment. So what kind of unemployment are we talking about here? So mainly it is cyclical unemployment, right? But actually there's also an element of structural that we kind of ignore. Cyclical, yes, because we're going through an economic dump, then aggregate demand is falling, so less output is being produced. Because of that, the demand for factor input such as labor decreases, and therefore there's an increase in the level of cyclical unemployment. But why is there also structural unemployment? So think about everyone who's working in aviation. They have suddenly been, been made redundant because there are obviously not many planes that are flying at this point in time due to the coronavirus, you know, kind of concerns, right? So because of that, right, you may think that they become structurally unemployed. That is true for certain types of workers who are not freely mobile across different types of jobs. But I'm sure you've probably read articles about how some of these uh, various air stewardesses and you know, people who work in these industries are able to find other jobs in service-related. For example, now they work in SMRT, they work in NTC Fairprice, you know, they even work as like you know, nursing assistants. Okay, even though they might not have the specific technical knowledge like a degree in nursing for example but they have translatable skills so that is why it's important to also be freely mobile the mobility of labor is also important in order for the labor market to continue to sustain itself so according to the report by MOM the contraction in employment was sharpest in the F&B services retail trade arts entertainment and recreation and education within service producing so, of course, the service-producing industry is going to be the one that is first hit because that's the one in which you have a lot of face-to-face -face interaction compared to things like, you know, where you can be in your office, you can work from home. These kind of industries, you cannot work from home. You literally cannot. And I said this in a previous uh, episode about, you know, how in China, those that are in lower-income uh, lower uh, jobs, right, they tend to work in these kinds of industries. Construction, of course, saw a steep decline in employment because of the supply shock that arose, right? Because workers were confined to their dormitories. And, of course, there will be a steep decline in employment because uh, these people will not be working at this point in time. Employment contraction in manufacturing was actually more modest, right? Because these are considered key manufacturing activities and they were actually allowed to continue even through the circuit breaker. So they deal with things like semiconductors and biomedical. So they were less affected, but of course transport engineering was very severely affected. So things like Capo Corp, Capo Offshore and Marine Singapore's workforce was reduced to about 1,200 persons from 24,000 within one month. And the net effect is that overall unemployment rate in Singapore rose to 2.9%. Right? And the jobless rate for residents rose to 3.9% and 4% respectively. This is the highest jobless rate that we have ever had in over a decade. Right? In all, we have like, so many retrenchments, so much plunge in our total employment and there's still so many risks that remain. The macroeconomic outlook for Singapore and many other countries is still very uncertain. And uncertainty is something that economists do not like because it means that consumption and investment are going to be affected as is obviously the net exports. Okay? So as everyone is slowly emerging from the lockdown shadow and there's still a lot of reopening risk, how quickly can businesses continue uh, to recover from such deep, deep recessions, let alone those in emerging markets and developing economies? So governments and central banks around the world are still taking a whatever-it-takes approach to minimise the harm. So for Singapore, that means the rolling out of four sets of budgetary measures over four months, equivalent to 20% of our GDP. It's like, you know, you earn 
this amount of money right hundred dollars and like twenty dollars is already meant to like bolster the economy right so this has even actually sparked the creation of a new national jobs council to just exclusively help people out uh, with all of these support programs so it is meant to help job seekers and mid-career individuals gain skills and employment during this challenging time while also having a job support scheme to help employers with wage cost and cushion the loss of jobs. So I want you to think about what are all of the different types of policies that can be implemented to reduce unemployment. Because what we usually think of is like, ah, okay, I boost, aggregate the demand, then can already lah, cyclical unemployment is solved. But um, that's not going to be the case because we can't boost AD at this point in time. Instead, what you need to do is actually look at some of these shorter-term measures that can still address the root cause of the problem. So you need to make sure that people are skilled, people are adaptable, people can work in new industries and can still gain some kind of unemployment. So maybe people are unable to like secure very long contracts for their jobs, but at least they have some level of certainty. Right? So maybe they don't have longer-term contracts, but at least allow them to kind of secure something. Something is still better than nothing. Okay? And at the same time, this kind of skills and employment helps to boost our LRAS, which is great. Because in, our fu- in the future, economic growth will eventually recover. Right? But we must also not forget the SRAS, which is the short-run aggregate supply curve. If I use the job support scheme, I can help employers with wage costs. And because of that, I can lower the COP, right? which sounds good. But also think about it from the employer's perspective. If I have a job support scheme, right, I can help people with the wage cost and people will be less likely to retrench others when retrench people okay so that the demand for labor will continue to remain at least at a healthy level it will not suddenly reduce because people are like so disincentivized from employing people because they themselves are going through like a really really um you know a steep fall in the revenue and i want to take this opportunity to really link right this idea of unemployment we might not look at it this way but there's definitely a link to firm's revenue, firm's costs and profits. Because not every kind of firm right, is able to absorb this increase in wage costs. Not every kind of firm is able to weather the storm at this point in time. Because look at it, the revenue is falling or stalling for a lot of different types of industries. Whether you're like perfect comm, whether you're monopolistic competition and even an oligopoly, the revenue is falling. Okay, but then of course, depending on your firm size, right, and your level of market power, right, and therefore your price inelasticity of your demand, right, or your the steepness of your AR and your MR, of course, because of that, you might be actually more able to weather the storm because maybe you enjoy economies of scale, you produce at a larger output, but of course now it's also another problem lah, because you may not be able to produce at that same level of output. But still, you will likely be able to absorb increases in costs more than a small firm who is like just breaking even. So what kind of firms are definitely going to be driven out right, and forced to shut down? Right? Small firms, right, which actually have very low profit margins, so PC, MPC, they already are actually only going to earn like normal profits in the long run. So they are going to be the most negatively impacted. A lot of us only think like, oh, this unemployment is just about the workers, it's just about the ADAS, but it also affects firms and it also influences firms' decision of whether or not they want to retrench their workers. So they will weigh the costs and benefits, right? 
if whether or not they want to retrench the worker, they'll think, okay, added benefit is that I can continue to produce output with this if I employ this person, but of course I have to pay this person a particular salary. I still have to weigh right, whether or not even people are going to help me out, which is like the job support scheme, right, to help me to cushion the negative impact. So there are like many ways of looking at this idea of the labour market. Number one, from demand supply perspective, of course we can aggregate it to ADAS, unemployment itself as a micro goal, and actually also from the first perspective. Okay, So these efforts that they have just done are expected to ease the pressure. So one of the important things is also the use of technology, which can help uh, create jobs when businesses may be reluctant to hire. Right? So the pandemic has really changed the way in which people live and work and even how businesses are small and big operate. Okay, so there's a ministerial committee for digital transformation in order to accelerate our adoption of digital technology. So it's supposed to actually create more jobs and uh, business opportunities in the ICT sector, which sounds good. So there are still some developing uh, industries, right, where there's employment opportunities. So it's not all doom and gloom. We can't just have like one stand and say, oh, everything is very bad. Because we need to evaluate and show that we understand that there are still bright spots. Okay? So despite the best efforts, Singapore's labour market is still expected to weaken because the bulk of the global economy will still be grappling with the recessionary conditions. And after the record plunge in the second quarter, we expect the GDP to rebound as it emerges from this uh, circuit breaker. But the economic contraction will likely narrow in the next two years. There are still a lot of significant challenges. For instance, number one, local construction sector. When can contractors bring more of their workers to work on site? And if you do not start work soon, you may not be able to receive payments. Can you survive? Those in aviation, travel, hospitality, related and F&B will wonder how long all of these restrictions will remain in place and how long will their revenue be impacted. Without any visible answers to these questions, many of the companies will be very, very concerned about keeping their costs in check because they are not sure how long they can continue to bleed losses every month. Right, we can no longer know how long you can continue to... You remember you have the shutdown condition, right? There will come a point when you have to shut down. Right? When you can't even cover your own variable costs, right, you have to shut down already because you will, uh, it does not make sense for you to continue to actually operate. Okay? So even though uh, the external economic environment continues to remain very weak and challenging, right, there's still going to be a lot of efforts to help out the labour market and to encourage people to continue to uh, hire workers. Okay, So of course we know that moving ahead, there needs to be additional uh, measures such as also the job support scheme that we said just now. But of course this is not going to be a very long term measure because it's going to expire after it covers salaries in August, it payouts dispersed in October. It's not going to go on forever. So we need to think about a more fundamental approach to this whole thing. And it's also encouraging to note that the government has extended the foreign worker levy waiver which still helps people to cope with the rising cost of production and also means that the total you know, um, variable cost also for firms will not increase as much for firms in construction, uh, marine shipyard and process sectors. right? And of course if the situation on the ground warrants, you will have to kind of review some of these things. 
other things include like the property rental relief measures because besides um, worker levy as a cost of production, another key cost of production is like the amount of rent that you have to pay. So can you imagine you have to pay rent and you're not buying, you're not selling anything? Oh my goodness, you're definitely going to run a loss. But by giving you a property rental relief measure, that helps you to get back on your feet right, and helps you to be able to earn enough revenue to cover your costs. So there's been many different uh, levels of actually assistance provided to firms right, and to also have a knock-on effect of reducing unemployment. Right? So even has reassured borrowers, the MAS has reassured borrowers who want the right to defer their loan repayments because maybe right now they cannot and they have like, lost income. Right, and there's a lot of relief measures also. But all of this will depend also on the state of the economy because we don't really know uh, what's going to happen into the longer run. So the bottom line is that even though there will be many businesses who fail, right, and there's a lot of uh, recessionary fears, at least there are some relief measures that have been put in place to try and cushion the impact uh, on the labour market. Okay, So I'll be taking a look at more of these uh, macro and micro ideas in next week's episode. Thank you and ciao everyone.